You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Another guy who doesn't mind if he's hated. No, fact, he I doesn't. Think, I think he enjoys it. Yeah, you know, we, we, other than the clean stuff, because I'm a dirty pig, but other than that, Joel and I are kindred spirits. Other than he is really germaphobic, and I will eat stuff off, well, I'll eat stuff off trays from a hotel that yeah. I walk through it in the middle of the night checking yeah. things out. And by the way, Joel, Joel Clatt joins us now, presented by Audi Flatirons. Have you heard this story? Go ahead, Mark. Tell the story. I, I just, I just, like, Almost vomited yeah, for right. a second. Full, Did I full, hear that correct? You, yeah, you full, full ate con- something full. off a tray in a hotel that someone had like left out yeah, yeah, for their room happened. service. Like I'm, I'm checking into a hotel. It's late. It's twelve. I've been traveling. I didn't get. You know, I was rushing between flights. I didn't have something to. And I'm walking down the hall, dragging my bag, and there's a tray, and somebody didn't eat the the bun or the muffin. There's even the pad of butter there. I'm like, <laughs> Hallelujah, Homer. Just got, you know, I just got a little, like, I'm even, you know, I'm just grab that, that thing, maybe a piece of fruit that hasn't been really touched, maybe just glanced over type of thing. I'm like, I'm in. And yeah, I've, I've done that on multiple occasions. You wouldn't do I that? Can't, I can't even like, I, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. I, I, I can't. I can't even touch my bag after it's been on the gross rollers in the security at the airport. And like thinking about someone's, I'm about ready to throw up. Uh, this is this is unbelievable. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. the great uh, Mark Schlereth. Other than that, I think we're other than that difference. Other than I think we're kindred You're spirits. identical. We're like identical every other place, except that I, I am I a really, filthy pig. Like, I don't. I don't know how anybody out there listening right now is not like gagging just a, just yeah. a little bit. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I wouldn't even do that. I wouldn't even do that. You wouldn't? No. No, I mean that's like that makes like the fried cheeseburger look like a like a sterile room meal. Like I <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, so all right. So Joel, uh boy, what a weekend it was in college football. And and I thought the scene at the Virginia Tech game was unbelievable and, and made the the hair, you know, stand up on my arms. But then what you guys experienced uh, at Camp Randall at Wisconsin would jump around was even better. And, and did you guys play a role in that? Well, no. I mean, they're, the stadium's going to do that regardless, right? So they do that at the beginning of every fourth quarter. Uh, all we decided to do, and this was, you know, like kudos to our producer, Chuck McDonald. Um, his idea was like, hey, like, and he goes to our executives and he says, can we dump a full break, a commercial break, make up those breaks, you know, in those commercial segments somewhere else. And will you let us just cover it live, not taped, not anything like bring the broadcast back and let's just shoot jump around because they're going to do it. So we did not play a role in, in what the stadium was doing. Our only role was trying to bring everybody that was not in the stadium into that environment live. And, you know, and listen, there was a hiccup because they were late. Like, you know, television, we, we live and die by the clock. And so we came back 
when they were supposed to start jump around and there was still about a minute left. So, so our producer gets in Gus's our ears. Right. And, and he was like, Hey Gus, we got about a minute, you know? And, and I just told Gus at that point, I kind of signaled to him that it's like, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to say anything here. So he was just kind of, you know, we call it like vamping and, and, and only Gus's fashion and, and brought it to the point where we, we just covered it live. And man, it's like, I got to tell you, like, the the joy and the electricity in the stadium, I think it's an often overused term, right, electricity and energy and all this stuff. Man, that was as palpable as I've ever felt. I was – I had an inability to, to say anything. I, I, I was very proud of us. You know, no one said anything. We, we just, like, covered – like, we let our director – shoot the stadium and I'm, I'm hoping and ba- based on the text and the social media feedback that I got, I'm hoping that it translated over the air. And I think that it did, but that was our role in it is that we just covered it. And, and, you know, I'm really proud of our team for, for doing that. And for Chuck's idea, we just came back live and, and tried to bring it to you at home. I think it was so cool. And I thought it was so well done. And in, during the Fox seminar this summer, they had a segment called just J- shut the bleep up, and it was announcers that were talking over great moments. And sometimes um, sometimes just limiting what you say and just letting people feel that moment is the best thing you can do in a broadcast. I love this tweet by you, and I'm going to read it to you um, from just after the weekend. As I reflect on the amazing college football weekend, I can't help but think for the first time in a long time, it felt like we finally stopped yelling at each other and started yelling for each other. Inner Sandman to jump around, roll tide. Thank you, college football. It was, I, I just thought it was a tremendous overall weekend. Forget the outcome of the games. I just thought, I just thought the, uh, you know, again, overused pageantry, passion, excitement, all that stuff. It was there. It was palpable coming through the television screen. Well, you know, I've, I've often said, and listen, I think that there are stark differences between the NFL and college football. Um, and, and part of that is, is the, you know, the, the subtleties of each fan base and the fact that it's, while it's yes, corporate and we talk about revenue a lot, you know, it's not quite as corporate as the National Football League. And, and those stadiums in the NFL are beautiful, but they can be corporate, you know, and, and you still get this, like this old timey family feel for college football. And I've often said that like what part of what makes college football so great guys is that everyone is a part of it that is there because you went to the school. You you are part of the fabric of what went on there, right? That's part of your history individually and maybe within your family and all your friends and everything versus just being a fan of a, of, of a pro team. And those games, you know, I've always thought that, the, like, a home game acts as almost kind of like a Thanksgiving dinner for that institution's family, right? And you get to all come back and tailgate and be around each other. And for the first time in over a year, that got to happen. And, and I just thought it was, I just thought it was an amazing weekend. And, and you're right. I don't feel like fan bases were too bent out of shape about wins and losses, although there's certainly overreactions after a week one. I just felt like this overwhelming sense from the country, both in the numbers of viewers and all these telecasts, to the fans in the stands, there was just an overwhelming kind of release of of some small bit of normalcy. Um, 
it was really fun to be a part of, and I just I just thought it was an amazing weekend. I really did, and I'm hoping all of you. I know Denver's not like the best college sports town, but man, like I think it was felt all over. Want to get to your thoughts on CU and uh, Texas A&M here in a, a little bit, but a couple of takeaways from the weekend: Alabama's relentless year in and year out dominance, good yeah. or bad for college football. Well, I'm never going to say it's bad. You know, you're the hater of greatness. You have been for That's better not part true. of the uh, True yeah. greatness, I, I love. We work together. True greatness. I, I agree with you on that, by the way, Joel. He is the hater of greatness. He is the hater of greatness, which is fine, which is fine. Now, having said that, um, you know, I think that more power to him. The structure of the sport is is not built for parity, and I think that that's that's where we're falling short. You know, I'm I'm fine with somebody dominating. I really am. I mean, the Patriots dominated forever. And, and I think that, you know, we might be on the precipice of the Chiefs being in, you know, six, seven, eight AFC championship yeah. games with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And I know that makes people, but, but you get what I'm saying. In a parody driven league, we see greatness and, and I think it's more respected. In the college game, I think people say, is it good or bad? Because they're, there doesn't seem to be a way out, right? And it's not just Alabama, Mike, but it's the top five. You know, do you know that, that right now the the preseason top five and Notre Dame made up all but one spot in every playoff spot in the last four years? The only other team that was outside of the top five in Notre Dame was LSU to make a playoff in the last four years. So that's not good. It's not Bama's fault that they're great. The structure of our sport needs to expand in the postseason. There's a lot of things that needs to take place. So it's, it's a long-winded answer. I'm never going to take anything away from Bama. I love what they're doing. But the structure of the sport definitely needs to change a little bit to drive some uh, element of parity uh, in order to engage more fan bases, in particular into the postseason. As we get ready to roll here in Denver, Colorado, as the Denver Broncos take on the Giants, I just want to get your assessment um, and, and this will go back to your college, you know, your college expertise, Daniel Jones, kind of where he came out as, what you thought of him. And, and I know it's limited because you're doing college football and you're preparing and all that stuff, but what you see out of him now and, and just what you think of Daniel Jones, the quarterback, because this for me is a make it or break year for him. Yeah. And, and I hate that for him because I think he's playing behind a, an average to poor offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think that there's only so many, you know, there's only so much you can do as a quarterback. I think he's a skilled guy. I thought that, listen, I've, I have not been high on the Giants drafts going back for, for a number of years. I, you know, every single draft, it seems like I look at their pick and I'm like, man, well, you might like that guy. That's all well and good. You left somebody on the board that was a better player. You know, if you go back and look at some of these drafts, save for maybe Saquon Barkley, but as a running back, who knows how much you can impact your organization over the course of eight, nine, or ten years. Um, you know, I think Daniel, listen, in a better situation, Daniel Jones would be having a lot of success. But the fact of the matter is, is that they, they're kind of a mess, and they haven't figured out their offensive line. Would you want to be, play behind this offensive line? A guy like Nate Solder, who I, I love Nate, uh, obviously a fellow buff. He hasn't played right tackle the better part of a decade. He sat out last year and opted out of the season. Now he's going to have to go up against Von Miller. Like, that's not good for Daniel Jones. I don't know if, if there's anything Daniel Jones can do in that sense. So I like his skill set. I liked it coming out of, of college. But the fact remains, I've, I've felt like the Giants have 
done a poor job in the draft for a number of years, and now there's a guy who's trying to basically make his career behind a bad offensive line, and that's not a recipe for success. All right, what's your feel for the Broncos this year? This a uh, eight, nine, ten win team that could compete for the playoffs? I'm way more bullish than everybody else. I I don't like I see power rankings and all this stuff, and I'm like, wait, hold on, this is. It doesn't seem to be the team that I see when I when I watch the Broncos. I think that this defense could be a top three defense in the National Football League. Mark, I don't know. I mean, you're obviously way closer to the NFL than I am, but I think that they've got a real chance to be a great defense. If you can play that level of defense, it really comes down to two things. Can your quarterback and offense, and maybe more specifically your offensive play caller, be aggressive enough early in the game to play with a lead, okay, that's paramount when you're talking about having a great defense, in particular that can rush the passer if Vaughn can stay healthy and we'll see what's going on with Bradley and this. What's up with this arrest, by the way? It's traffic violations, bro. Show up in court. Like, do what you need to do. Regardless, regardless, playing with a lead, that's number one. And then number two is limiting the mistakes on the offensive side. Um, obviously I think Teddy would be better in a play action type situation, but he can sit there and he can dink and dunk when and if he needs to, um, if he can stay away from turning the football over and if Denver offensively can get a lead early in games, I think that they're a 10 win team. I think that they're a playoff team. I think that this is a team that has that caliber of roster, but I got to tell you, I don't sense that from all the pundits out there talking about the NFL. And to be honest, I, I just don't get it. I think Denver's a really good team. I think that Denver has increased the level of depth on their roster overall, Joel, to the point where it is becoming a very good roster. The quarterback question, you know, is always going to be a question. And I'm with you. They have never played with the lead. There's a reason you can't create turnovers. You don't create turnovers when you're down 10 points and the other offense can be conservative. It just doesn't happen. So there That's is exactly that, right. there is, you know, there's that symbiotic relationship between creating turnovers and having the lead. So you're 100% right there. The other issue that can wear a defense down is when you have to spend too much time on the football field, even if you're an That's elite right. level defense. So for me, it's, it's not only making good decisions, it's possessing the ball. It's staying on schedule. It's being on third in, in third down and four minus so that you have duality in your play calling ability to where the defense has to defend everything. And the issue here, the crux, and this is one thing that George Payton has really addressed, especially after, after the initial cutdown where they traded and moved for a couple of people is special teams. This special teams unit has consistently put that defense in harm's way with returns right. and everything else. And and the hidden yardage in special teams, we just, as broadcasters, I know I don't do enough work on the special team side of, of what goes on. But you want to talk about the depth of a roster for me? Show me a good special teams like unit, and I'll show you a team that has great athletic depth and good football depth on its roster. Well, a defense, here's the thing, is that a, de- a great defense cannot, a great, I'm saying like a great defense can't overcome the shortcomings throughout the rest of the team. Okay? So, if you have a great defense, and there's a, there's a Tim Ferriss line, and I know that there are other people that talk about this sort of stuff, but I'm a Tim Ferriss fan. He's the guy who wrote the five hour work week. He's kind of a life hack guy. I might have even said this last week. I might be repeating myself, but, it, you know, it's not about 
not having weaknesses. It's about having strengths, finding them, identifying them, and then building habits around those strengths. Okay, so if your defense is strong, to your point, you better have as good of a first down offensive game plan as there is out there. Why? How does it, why, why does that correlate? Well, it correlates because on first down is when you set yourself up to be on schedule for the rest of the set of downs. That's how you get into third and, and four minus, like you were talking about, right? Because you're talking about duality of playbook. For me as a quarterback, I just think about the number of times that the quarterback has to take a snap and throw it when you have to throw it versus throw it when you want to throw it. Those are massive differences for a quarterback. And if you're going to throw the ball 25 times, I would I would throw out a, a giant bet. If you can throw it 18 times when you want to and seven times when you have to versus 12 times and, and so on, I, I think that you're in a great position to win the game. You talk about special teams. What the Denver Broncos have to do is play complementary football. And that complementary football led them to a Super Bowl championship when they had a great defense, right? I mean, Peyton Manning could barely throw the ball through a wet paper bag that year, and they still won a Super Bowl. So it's not about necessarily having a quarterback that can be an above-the-X's and O's player. If you play great defense, you can be complementary. And if they can be complementary, I think that they can be a really good team. Again, I'm higher on this team than most. I saw a power ranking that had them like 26. I was like, wait, really? I think that they beat the Giants. First of all, that kick time's advantageous. They don't have to kick on that early clock going over to the to the East Coast. I think this is going to be Fangio's first first win as an opening game of the season that he gets as the head coach. It'll be his first win in the month of September. Wake me up when Gosh, September ends. Right? Yeah, that's true. 0 and 0 and 7. That's pathetic. <laughs> yes. Like, can we just call a spade a spade? That's, that's ridiculous. That's, bad. that's pathetic. That's why he's on the hot seat starting now. That's why it's a must win, in my opinion. Hey, real quick, how much of a chance do you give CU against Texas A&M Saturday? That's a tough ask, guys. I mean, A&M's defense is real. It's one of the best defenses in, in all of college football. They can run the rock. Now, they struggled offensively a little bit in their in their opener because their first-year quarterback, Haynes King, didn't play very well. And that does lend itself to, to Colorado's strengths, right? They can stop the run. And and with Nate Landman in there, I think that they're, they're decent against the run. But A&M is skilled. They've recruited at the top end of college football. Um, they're a, a top six, you know, five, six team in college football, depending on the rankings that, that you look at. That's, that is a really tall order for a team that doesn't have enough offensive explosiveness in Colorado to really sit there and, and score the requisite points against a team like A&M. So I think this is going to be a tough one. All right. Who you got this weekend? I'm in the shoe, Oregon at Ohio State. Could not be more excited. Game of the week. Should be a great one. All right. Just if you get to Columbus, you've had some travel delays. Get in a little bit of late to your hotel. Listen, if you're if walking I, down the hallway the and you see that, I've ever seen. if you see that spare I can't chicken even tender, believe I've heard that. If you see a oh. chicken tender laying there, don't be don't oh. be afraid. Oh, yeah, the thing is unmolested. I can't it even. Be good. I can't even touch elevator buttons. This, uh, <laughs> <sighs> how this much? Like a, how much money would it take to get you to take a bite of 
you know, the other side of the the roll, dinner roll where they only took a couple of bites off the front side, you just turn it to the back side and eat a couple of bites. How much money would that take? I mean, there's obviously a, an amount. <laughs> it is way higher than you think. <laughs> Like, whatever you're thinking, I think in your mind, you're probably thinking, like, oh, he'd do it for 50 bucks. Right. I, there's no chance I would do it for less than, like, 100 grand. I believe that. I s- swear to God, I believe you said, that. You said with a bite out of it. This is not like the a other end. Uh, yeah. Like, w- Clean it. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. And I could barely live with myself. I think I would probably just keel over and die. The most amazing thing about Clatt is that this is a guy who played quarterback and has bragged that you could blindfold him, line him up with every center he ever played with in high school and college, and he would be able to identify who that center yeah. is just by placing his hands under the guy's butt. Well, not not only the feel, but the Mike, it's more about the smell. And the moisture. The moisture would That's be. Right. That's right. That's right. Everybody's got a scent, and my centers had a scent. <laughs> and yet, yes. you're you. I mean, it's it's incredible. What, what did you want me to do, Mike? What, I can't not take the snap. You like, could, you know, not, had they had the gloves back, the and they had the gloves back then. You know, the real sticky gloves. You could have been uh, Joel Two Gloves, just like Teddy. Right. Yeah, I yeah. could have. I could have. But I, uh, listen, your right hand is the one that has to touch the butt. Mm-hmm. And and I couldn't I wasn't a glove thrower, so that that was just not afforded me. And let's I mean let's be honest I I didn't mind the smell so much at the time. And this is you know this is obviously a while ago in my life. And a lot of these germ things have popped up as I've gotten older. I the, the only thing I didn't like and that was hard for me was the splatter. You know, so when I got a sweater yeah. and, and we were like in a hot day and then it would snap the ball up there, you know, cause you really snap that thing. You kind of, yeah. you jam that ball right, you know, kind of right, right up there. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You know, right between, you know, I got drafted. And, and sometimes you get the splatter. Yeah. If my hand smelled really bad, I would just stick it in their face and be like, smell yourself. <laughs> That's what you smell like. Yeah. <laughs> that that on that note, Joel, Joel, you're the best. Thank you, Bob, pal. Later, boys. Joel Clatt. Presented by Audi Flatterns. Wow. There you go. Smell yourself. Yep. I love it. How about the dichotomy there? Okay. We got a break. We'll be back. More Tell Me Why I'm Wrong's next. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com. 